Welcome to Portrait of a Londoner. I'm Muna, and today with Katrina, we're talking to Karen Arthur. Karen is a fashion designer, sewing tutor, and stylist. But until 2015, she was a secondary school teacher. She talks to us today about how she approached some big changes in her life. In 2015, after her daughters had left home, she started the menopause. And it also hit her that she wasn't really enjoying teaching anymore. We joined the conversation when she realised that a major change was about to take place. Well, when was the crunch point where you thought to yourself, that's it, I'm not going back? Right, well, that... Okay, so I came home one day, um, one evening, sorry, opened my laptop, carried on working, and then wanted to go to bed and realise it was only eight o'clock at night and then realise if I went to bed, it'd just bring the morning closer. And I started crying and after about half an hour, I realised maybe I need to contact someone and let them know what's going on. But I wasn't the same. I wasn't thinking of finishing work. I was thinking I need... I didn't even think I was ill, actually. It was my friend who persuaded me to go to the doctors and the doctor signed me off and they kept signing me off and they kept signing me off. And all this time, I was trying to get better to go back to work. I started the process of leaving, basically, but I never never went back into school. And I thought... (laughs) I thought that, oh, now that I'm not doing that job, that's stressful... That means I'll get better. And actually, all that happened is it, as I said about space, uh, it gave me the space to really be ill because I'd fallen um, earlier on in the year and my physical health started to deteriorate as well. It was joyful, 2015. You know, load, lots and they say, I think, that the universe doesn't give you anything, it gives you what you need. And I needed to be knocked for six. So it was a bereavement and uh, my eldest daughter wasn't very well either. And, you know, uh, menopause and mental illness. It was all going on. All all at the same all time. All going on. A smorgasbord. <laughs> In your blog, you mentioned that during that time you started doing some more meditation. So can you tell us about how you started to kind of help yourself recover and move on? Okay, so my background is dance. I did a performing arts degree and I taught dance for 17 years. So I have always been someone who gets up in the morning and does some kind of stretch. I didn't realise that was meditation. So I always thought meditation was sitting cross-legged with your eyes closed going on. And I actually used to take the piss out of it, if I'm honest. But I have a brother who's a Buddhist and has been meditating for maybe 15 years, longer. And he suggested a book, which is John Kabat-Zinn, Full Catastrophe Living. And that book is very, very thick. Full disclosure, I haven't read it all, but I started, I've read half of it. I started to read it. It's about mindful meditation and it's about, it's an amazing book. He has um, things on YouTube and he does courses and things like that. So it's things like, it's about being present. And you know what? I could never have done what I did when I was teaching because I wouldn't have had the time. So I would do, there are things called full body scans where you lie down and visualise. A lot of visualisation. But also I noticed that a lot of that stuff was stuff I was doing anyway. I just didn't call it meditation. 
I went to various different meditation kind of nights, some of which didn't sit with me. Sometimes you walk into places and you don't see anybody who looks like you and immediately you want to walk back out again, you know? So it didn't really gel with me. I downloaded the Headspace app. I have a good friend who suggested that. That was good. That's very good. And I always recommend that to other people. I just got quiet. Mm. What was the thing that that made you kind of change direction completely? As in, think, do you know what? This is one part of my life. I have done this for a long time. I have, I've obviously had this breakdown and I'm learning about myself. How did you then change direction in terms of obviously it was a gradual process but what was the yeah. thing that kind of helped you it did, well it didn't happen overnight and now when I look back and those over those five years I, I'm quite marveled at what happened like I didn't like okay so there are several things menopause is one of them I, <laughs> I was having hot flushes I mean I was in complete denial I was 52 hadn't had a period for a year so it's I was actually the right demographic but yeah, and then it dawned on me, oh, right. And then other things started to happen, like I got tingly legs, tingly legs are a... And I and I'd found myself Googling, you know, symptoms at 3am in the morning, which I don't recommend, because then I just thought I was dying. Um, so I'd left teaching. I'd been teaching for 28 years. I floundered. I didn't know if you're used to being ruled by the pips, ruled by time, and then suddenly you don't have all of that. You fly, you, I was doing that literally. I was spiralling. I had to make a living. I had been making clothes. No, that's a lie. I lied. I'm sorry. I had been making bags. I had a little business, and I'd been making bags out of African print fabric and upcycled fabrics. Even when you were teaching. When I was teaching, but okay. it was my, I thought it was a hobby. Yeah. yeah. So you, and you had never, been doing something. I had been doing something. I'd all, I've always been creative, always made things, always had a sewing machine. For my but it wasn't something you thought, this is going to be a business for me. Never. This is going to be. Never. In my head, I'd work till whatever the retirement age is these days. And then I'd wait for my grandkids to turn up and I'd do a little bit of sewing on the side. But I realised that I wanted, I decided I wasn't going to go and get another job. I didn't want to teach again. And I wanted to curate the rest of the next 50 years, let's say, the way I wanted to do it. Mm. So I wanted to do what I love. At what point did you did you feel like, hang on, this is gonna, this might actually work for me. I think I can make a living off this. Was there, was there, was there a kind of a time when you felt like this is going, I'm going somewhere, this last is- Last month, like, okay. last year. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it took a couple of years and it's then- okay. It, it, these things don't happen overnight. A mm. mindset doesn't happen overnight. I had to I had to make a serious mindset shift. I had to focus on getting physically better. I'm not someone who likes to go to the doctors. I don't like to take drugs. So if when people mention things like cuz antidepressants were mentioned, HRT was mentioned with my injury I had the consultant suggested I take naproxen for the rest of my life no so I was determined to find the best way holistically but also that works for me I'm not taking drugs the rest of my life that ain't happening there's always there's always something that can be done for me it was yoga therapy plus therapy therapy which I highly recommend both 
in conjunction. So both of those things were, were you were you well, were doing at that time. Well, I went. Okay, so I went into therapy first, having put it off forever because of the money, and then I couldn't not go to therapy. And I thought I'd go for like I don't know six weeks or a few months, and then I'd be fixed. Yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, it, it three years a lot of money worth every single penny, okay? And also, (laughs) I had an amazing therapist, I had a black woman, and she just got me, and she was able to call me out on all, when I tried to tell a story. She'd remember everything I said, so I think I I was getting away with things, and I wasn't. Um, She was amazing, she was amazing. But also, uh, yoga therapy, I didn't go into until the following year, because it got to a point where I couldn't walk properly, that started my quest to look for alternative therapies. So when I came back, um, I got into yoga therapy and it's amazing stuff because it's, it, it, what's the word? Amalgamates, melds together the breathing, the meditation, the stretching, the movement. It's so clever. And it, all it boils down to is the fact that we don't breathe enough. We just breathe up here and we need to use everything. And so I use that in my daily practice to this very day. So in the morning now, you do take some time to do... Mate, yeah, nothing happens before. I mean, my... (laughs) I'm laughing because I had to cut it down because it was getting ridiculous. But also because my... I'm doing more. I'm I'm finding that I'm actually having to leave the house, hey, uh, and leave it before midday. So, um, but I... Nothing happens before I've stretched. I, I have a little... I like my lemon and ginger tea. I journal for 10 minutes. I read for 10 minutes. I do some kind of stretch. And depending on how much time it is, depends on how long the stretch is. And I do some kind of sitting still. And I'm silent. And I do affirmations. I go and I talk to the tree at the bottom of my garden. And if it's raining, I sit on my bed and look in the mirror. And I, I am adamant and positive that those are the things that have put me here but I feel really strongly that taking time for myself and and in the morning it works for me it doesn't work for everybody means that it sets me up for the rest of the day and yeah I miss some days out I'm not a robot but on the whole I feel physically and mentally the stronger than I've ever been no, stronger than I've been for a long time, certainly in the last five years. And I suppose it's something that we as as as, as women, I could probably, you know, can say, we don't take time for ourselves. It's almost a kind of, you know, lots of other people and things are put first and we do not give ourselves the, give ourselves the time. That's because we're not allowed as a conspiracy against women. <laughs> I do think this. When I was growing up, I didn't see my mum take time for myself. For what? She had four kids to bring up. She brought them up on her own, ostensibly. So four kids to bring up and she got on with it. And many, many women do the same thing. And yes, it is becoming more common for women. You know, self-care is that word. It's a buzz word. But self-care isn't painting your nails and having a long bath and lighting a candle, although it can be and they're great. It is about putting yourself first. I need to be a role model to those coming up behind me and I start with my girls 
How can I say to my girls, look after yourself and put yourself first and make sure you eat properly and make sure you get enough sleep? How can I do that if I don't do it myself? That makes no sense. It's hypocritical. It goes back to that thing you were saying about them seeing what you're doing and, you know, noticing that more than any of the things you say. Yeah. And had I seen my mother take time for herself, even have the time to take time for herself, perhaps I wouldn't have been so hard on myself when I was teaching or when I was splitting up with my partner or when I left or, you know, women need to see other women taking time. You were also going to talk to us today about how you want to inspire not only younger women, but women of your age, other women of your because um, you, you think there's, there's there's some particular challenges that come about when women are in their 50s and 60s that they don't have earlier on in life. And could you talk to us a little bit about that? Going through menopause has been liberating for me. Despite all the physical things that happen, I think my mindset has meant that I'm in a position to notice the process more. And then I start I finally started talking about my mental well-being and and going through menopause and that kind of thing. And I'm finding women hating menopause and being scared. So there's two types. There's women who talk to me who haven't hit menopause and are absolutely scared shitless of what's coming because there isn't enough information out there or there hasn't been enough information out there. And it's certainly something that's always been either a joke or something we didn't talk about, which is a travesty, by the way. Or they're going through it and they're having such a terrible time. They're th- having suicidal thoughts or, or or reaching for the first thing they're offered, which is often HRT or antidepressants, which is personally, I don't want to knock anybody who's taken those things, but I don't think that's the first thing we need to think about. And I, I feel that, um, I'm honestly, I'm here to say, I want people, I want women to understand that Menopause isn't something to be feared. But I also think menopause is something that everybody should talk about because we all know someone who's menopausal. We, it's just fact. Men and women. And because we never talked about it, you never taught about it at school. Why do you think it's a thing? Obviously, I'm someone who's heading towards that part of my life. Mm. And yet, whether it's a generational thing or it's a, you know, we just don't talk about it. We don't talk about the fact that these things you're going to be going through this and you're going to feel these feelings and these are things that are going to happen to you we just don't talk about them and i you know why why is that why did you think that is because oh man because the world isn't set up like that it's as simple as that we live in a patriarchal society and therefore anything to do with women is secondary if that now there is change happening. No pun intended. <laughs> and more and more people are talking about menopause. But we're talking about, I think sometimes we come from the wrong uh, angle. So we're talking about the fact that, oh, lose weight and look a certain, and then you can look like the way you looked when you were 20 or 30. I think that's bollocks. That's not the point. I think menopause is to be embraced. I honestly think if we knew the power that women have as we get older, we've got, just as we've got more experience, more wisdom, that's when we're supposed to be quiet. Uh, All right then, that's not happening. Do you see? But I, I, I want my children, millennials, 
whatever the generation whatever's they're called these days i can't keep up to to look forward to the next stage of our lives because menopause lasts long you know it lasts like 14 years i'm gonna be upset no no i know you're right i'm gonna have some fun with it and so it's allowed me to be uh more liberated with the way that i dress clearly not worry about what people think of me honestly it's opened my eyes and i make a point of not having regrets but i do wish i knew this 10 20 years ago and that's why um i feel it's important to bang on about it and make myself visible and be the person that people see she can do it so can i I just want to talk about when we met because we met during uh, 2014 at Forest Hill Fashion Week and you know haven't you spoken now about kind of what you were going through you hadn't yet had your fall by this point Mm. but you were making and you were making fabulous pieces and this was something you were doing on the side how did that turn into the stuff that you're kind of doing now? Okay so I always sewed my mother taught me to sew when I was 15. I've always written that it, it was because um, I had hay fever and I couldn't go out. That was what you had to do in those days, in the mm, 70s. So she taught me to sew, so I'd had something to do for the six weeks holiday. But I now also realise that my dad had just left. So it was also a way for us to bond. Um, and for you to help her, presumably. And yeah. It's cathartic. There's nothing better than doing something you love and and like I would come home from you know a hard day at work or the weekends and look forward to designing things and then when I sit down at the sewing machine it still happens I sit down at the sewing machine I've got my design I know what I'm doing it is it's a it's a meditation it's a form of prayer creativity is a form of prayer so so I was making bags on the side and I was always doing it, always doing it, always doing it. And then the year before had been Forest Hill Fashion Week 2013 and I'd wangled myself into that somehow and I got bags, uh, some of my bags on the catwalk and I decided that I wanted to... They'd put them with different clothes, clothes by different brands and this year I wanted to do something that involved my clothes as well but I'd not actually really made them before and I'm really passionate about sustainable fashion and I wanted to use, uh, I wanted to upcycle sacks. I had it in my head, I, I had some coffee sacks from St David's Coffee House in Forest Hill, it's one of my favourite places and I wanted to make something using Hessian and Anchor fabric I just thought that would be great so I made a wedding dress because that's what you do isn't it of course yeah so I made I think a wedding dress and a you know and I loved it and I threw myself into that for the two week okay so I went on holiday for the summer I had to submit my designs I did that from a beach in Barbados how did it feel seeing your own work on the catwalk oh it's there is a wonderful picture of me, a shot of me uh, when you do the when you when the models come back out again at the end, and I and the designers on stage, and I'm like, you can see in my face, joy, pure joy. It's like, yeah, man, yeah. Oh, it's so. I'm getting excited thinking about yeah, it because well. I do like. There's something about also. I don't know maybe it's the performing arts degree and remembering all the shows we've done and the you know it's. There's a there's a buzz, there's an excitement, and it's the culmination of all your hard work. Collapsed afterwards, but you know, and actually that masked, that was kind of quite good because after that, you know, 
So Karen, you just mentioned that you like hanging out at St. David's coffee house which uh <laughs> which is close to me and it's a great place to go is there anywhere else you love to go in in the area so my favorite places are brown and green in mayo park because it's up the road from me and they have great wi-fi and oat milk lattes i am that woman uh st david's i love the library i volunteer at the library uh forest Hill library they were trying to close it community library now community library yeah, yeah. And they wanted volunteers. So I volunteer there once a month, um, which is also a great way to get to know people and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I really, I really love it in there. And I love that it's us that's, I, I love that it's Forest Hill that saved it kind of thing. Because libraries are so important. I think it's a travesty that, you know, the government are trying to close them, but I won't go there. Is there anything you would change about this area if you could? I like it, you know. I, I more than like it. I love Forest Hill. I think it's got, like, we've got the Hornemy Museum. How lucky are we? Yeah. Is there any is there any people that it particularly inspire you or, or where do you get your ideas from when it comes to fashion? My fashion sense is a bit bonkers and I like it that way. Yeah. My inspiration often comes from people who are doing what they want to do. But I look, so I, I get Vogue. I subscribe to Vogue. I love Vogue and I love to see what the youngsters are doing. But I like to put my own twist on it because the other side to that is I like to be comfortable and I'm not wearing, I'm not putting heels on anymore because they're painful, guys. Yeah, I love uh, what you've done with your trainers, by the way. Amazing. That's a um, independent brand called Uptown Yardy and they make little kilties, reversible kilties that you can put on your shoes and I put them on everything, basically. I love people like... Iris Apfel. Yeah, mm. love you her. Know, who yeah. just Amazing. does what she wants to do. And I yeah. follow a few people on Instacrack. Yeah. Like, I can't <laughs> remember their names, but I, I wish I could name check them. Who just do what they like. They're not adhering to any rules, per se. They're, and have they're fun. having fun. Yeah. And have fun. That's, that's really important. We dress up, you know, when... I've got two kids and when they were little and they wanted to wear a tutu and wellies to school and I would go, no, you can't wear that because it's, you know, one degree outside. But you, that kind of joy of wearing what you want to wear, what makes you feel good, we need to take that into adulthood more. Does that then, so you have a, a kind of a thrive, where you're happy thrive community now. So yes, this is, so yeah. Talk very to us a bit good. about that. <laughs> Um, Where Your Happy Thrive is a new membership community for women who feel they've lost their way. And the reason I came up with it, the reason I feel it's needed, is that five years ago, I could have done with not feeling that I was alone. I navigated menopause, poor mental well-being, all the things that happen, empty nest syndrome, my children... I want to say leaving me, that sounds really bad, going on to, you know, live their lives. All of those things I navigated alone, leaving my job, trying to work out what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, feeling something wasn't quite right and not knowing what it was. And I did that alone. And I'm not aware that there was a community of that nature then. There's a lot more talk about menopause now. And there are groups that you can join and membership sites as well. But I will say, when I see them, I don't see me. I don't see myself reflected. You could be forgiven, if an alien landed in Earth now, they could be forgiven for thinking that menopause only happened to 50-year-old white women. 
So Karen mentioned to us that one of the motivations for wanting to change her own life was um, to be an example to her daughters and that she realised that she would actually have to show them that you can make a change and you can choose a career that you want to do. And for Moona and I, that we're both parents and that was just a really important reminder to us that anything you actually do is more powerful than just telling your children how to behave. I agree. What I also found really interesting is how going through the menopause has been liberating for Karen and how she is using her platform to show up as a black woman, as there is a real lack of diversity in mainstream media. Karen is currently the new face of Specsavers. If you want to get in touch with Karen, she is on Instagram at thekarenarthur. We hope you enjoyed listening. Please rate, review and subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. We are on Instagram at Portrait of a Londoner and we are also on Facebook. This episode was produced by Mike Swain. Thanks again for listening.